0: Encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter six. If you don't turn, it will be difficult for you to follow along. So, <laughs> we're continuing our series this morning. I will um, let me go ahead and read the text, and then I'll pray for the. Preaching God's Word. Hebrews chapter 6, it's on the screen behind me as well if you don't have a Bible. The Word of God says this, beginning in chap- in verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to whom, by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying... so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, would have fle- we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Father God, as, as, we, <clears throat> as we go now through your word, Father, I ask that you would help us to, to hear and understand what you would have for us to hear this morning. Father, I ask especially help for me as it's it's has become a little difficult for me to concentrate because of, of some conditions with my arm, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that, that that would just disappear, that that would just go away right now, Lord. That I would be able to focus, on preaching Your Word, Father. I pray, Lord, that 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 You would introduce texts that that I didn't even have written, if it's Your will, and You would take out texts that I have already uh, written down, Father God, that You don't want for us to to hear. Lord, this is your message, Father, and I, I pray, Lord, that you would just use me this morning as an instrument for your glory. Help us, Lord, this morning, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so when, when making a promise, and this is what, what the, uh, the writer of Hebrew is, is pointing out to us in this text When making a promise, swearing on something greater than yourself is is collateral for that promise. Um, We recently, most of you may know that we recently bought a house and um, we had to get a loan through a mortgage company, through a a bank, because they just wouldn't accept my word that I was going to (laughs) pay the full amount, right? We had to to find something to secure the the payment for that house. And so we had to go and get something greater than ourselves. We had to go get a loan. And that's how you do it. Because the seller is getting the full amount at the time of the exchange. Right? And so we had to be able to promise and secure that they were going to get the full amount. Well, again... On my word, that doesn't work. I had to get something greater than myself. The writer of Hebrew, Hebrews uh, was showing us through the promise made to, to Abram, who was then called Abraham, that God was securing a promise to Abram and that, that, that something greater than yourself was God himself. Because there's nothing greater than God, right? Right? So he was, he was securing, he was giving the collateral of himself. Now, if the collateral for a promise is God himself, then you'd have to agree that's pretty secure, right? That's pretty secure. And then to guarantee it with an oath, that's even more secure. I mean, you can't get any more secure than that. The, the writer is encouraging us to persevere through this text. We're going to see how that works. But see, now, that's not all that's going on here. To to secure this promise, he secured it also through Jesus Christ, a sure and steadfast anchor. We saw that in the text. Uh, The high priest who is seated at the right hand of God, our advocate, that makes our hope and salvation through Jesus Christ guaranteed guaranteed. It's it's money in the bank, so to speak, because the ransom has already been paid. Our salvation has been guaranteed. We must therefore persevere to the end to obtain the promise. This is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to get across to his readers that, that, that this is an example to follow. Abraham is an example to follow, to persevere, to hold fast until the end so that you may obtain the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ, your high priest, which is certain success. Certain success. So let's see how, how he does this as we move through the text this morning, beginning with point number one. God's promise. God's promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, you see, when when you and I make a promise, there's a whole bunch of factors that could cause that promise to derail. Right? I mean, some of us can't be trusted. It's it's a fact. (laughs) You know? Uh, Maybe we lied about what we could what we could promise. Uh, Something may come up preventing us from fulfilling the promise. Uh, maybe, Maybe the conditions have changed. There's all sorts of things that could go wrong. Some within our control, others maybe not so. We just don't have the power to guarantee our promises. But when God makes a promise, what level of success would you put on a promise that God makes, knowing knowing that it is impossible for him to lie? That's a pretty secure thing, just a promise from God, right? But then he swears to the promise using himself as collateral since there's no one greater than himself. So, so now, now, what level of success would you put on that? Has anything changed? I mean, could his promise be any more secure now that he's, he's put himself as collateral? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a promise, it's, that's pretty secure. And then he says, okay, I'm gonna swear by it by me <laughs> on top of that promise. And then, and then I'll throw on top of that uh, an oath. Why would God do this? What? Why, would, why would he need to do that? Well, we're going to see in a minute why he does this. Then Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So let's see what happened all those years ago in Genesis 12. So Genesis 12 through, through Genesis chapter 22 is where Abraham's story lies, if you want to go back and, and read that. The story of Abraham is a great example of God's grace, God's grace to us. I mean, here's a, here's a man, a son of an idolater. living in a godless land, worshiping other gods, right? Yet God came to him with a call of divine grace. Abram was not seeking God. God sought out Abram. Genesis 12, just the first three verses say this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He hasn't even told them what the land is. He just said, Go from your country, from your kindred, from your family to the land I'm going to show you, and I will make of you a great nation. Here's his promise. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God's promise to Abram. Abram, who has not been worshiping God, is having to leave his country, leave his his place that he's familiar with, go to a place that he doesn't know about yet. I mean, he, you know, he was, he was 75 and childless when, when, when he left out to set out for the promised land. Talk about needing faith. If anybody needed faith, it was Abram, right? His wife, Sarai, who who was later then called Sarah, who was, she was also elderly and beyond childbearing age. So this is a situation where they don't have a lot going for them, you know, as far as the promise goes. In fact, everything was against them. And yet. He believed. He believed God. Abram believed God. But he needed encouragement to believe. He needed encouragement to believe. In Genesis 15, beginning in verse 2, it says this. But Abram, and this is, this is, this is from a, a man who's like, okay, I'm, I'm over 75, I don't have any children, my wife is old, and she's no longer of bearing age, and... Um, Wow, we're having to go out. And he says this, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Elisha of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. He's telling him who he is, he's reminding him of this promise that he said. He's having to encourage him again and again, he's having to retell him. What he's going to do. Because, like you and me, I'd have a hard time believing it. Being so over 75 years old, without any children yet, and then you know, I'm supposed to be the, the beginning point of all of all these nations? That's kind of hard to believe. But because he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Abram believed and yet still has had doubts, as we all do at times. Abraham doubted God. (laughs) He doubted God so much that he wound up having a child through his wife's maidservant, Hagar. Now (laughs) uh, who is guilty of, of trying to help God in his promises? Who of us is not guilty of of doing that? (laughs) Who who is guilty of trying to help God in the things that we ask God for? How often do you try to move things along because uh, it doesn't appear that God's moving fast enough for you, right? So again, in Genesis 17, God comes... Comes to him to reaffirm the promise of a child born of divine grace to fulfill his promise. So you know he's going, you know, again and again he's having to remind Abram of his promise and how he's going to how he's going to do that. Abraham started out doubting and needing uh, needed encouragement from God to trust his promise which he, he did through perseverance, and so his faith grew. His faith grew. Is, isn't that the way that we live as well? I mean, we, we, we start out doubting and needing encouragement from God to trust him. Sometimes that looks like, you know, going through lo- trials in our life uh, to bring us into alignment with his promises, through those trials and journeys, we, we come to trust him more and, and our faith grows. We, we see examples of that in our lives. We can look back and say, oh, oh yeah, God was in that and, and that causes our faith to grow. We have experience there. But Abraham didn't have experience of, of God providing him a child yet. He was still childless. And then, in Genesis 21, after after so many times of God having to come in and encourage him, in, in Genesis 21, God opens Sarah's womb, and she conceives and bears a son to Abraham. By this time, he was 100, and she was 90. Can you imagine having a child at 100 <laughs> or at 90? <laughs> wow. God, through divine grace, and that's what it took. Divine grace. That's what God's plan was the whole time. God's plan was divine grace so that no one may boast. He gave Abraham a child through Sarah who was barren. God gave The promise of a child through Sarah who was barren and old to demonstrate that salvation is by grace alone. Salvation is by grace alone. By God's saving power. And not by the will or the ability of man. By God's grace and grace alone so that no one may boast, not by man's will, not by anything that we can do on our own. God's grace, God's divine grace. The only way it could happen, the only way that Sarah, at age 90, could bear a child who was barrenless, was barren, childless, was for God to intervene and provide, through divine grace, the ability for her to have a child conceive. God's promise to Abraham was that he would have a son and that through his offspring all nations would be blessed. It is through Christ that the seed of Abraham brings blessings to all nations, as numerous as the stars in the sky. This is why Paul could write in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is in Christ. So God makes a promise and then guarantees his promise with an oath. Point number two, an oath secured in God himself. So, so the writer of Hebrews shows us in, in, in these verses here, what, what we humans do with regards to promises. Uh, first, we swear by something greater than ourselves, then we, sec- we secure that, that promise with an oath. A- an oath is, is final. He's setting us up for what God is about to do, A- adding an oath to the promise. Even though this is this is far from necessary. We've we understand that God makes a promise. He doesn't need anything else Now since it's not in his nature to lie it is impossible for him to lie a promise from God Is the most secure that he will do what he says he will do and yet? as we saw in the previous section God even went so far as to swear by himself, since there's no one greater than God himself. So even though it wasn't necessary, he makes the promise more solid by swearing on it by himself, and then to top that off, he guarantees it with an oath. This is what we do. But that's not necessary for God. So he doesn't do this for his own benefit. He's not not swearing uh, to this promise uh, by himself and then creating an oath on top of that uh, for his benefit. It's for his benefit because, because his desire is for us to be more convinced of the promise. The oath was done for our benefit. God doesn't need oaths because he is fully trustworthy, unlike people. But he did it to accommodate the weakness of our faith. He did that to accommodate the weakness of our faith. His desire is that we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast, to persevere, to hold fast to the hope set before us, and Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now here's, here's a sidebar. Um, a commentary I read said that the word used for obtained is not the ordinary verb used for the word obtain, but rather it has a sense of of having arrived at, or uh, reaching the promise. So, having arrived at or reaching the promise. Think, think about this. The idea is that because God's promises are so secure, it had been there all along. His promise is already is already set. It's already there. What he promised is already there. It is up to us to arrive at that in order to obtain it. It's already there set before us. We have to arrive at it through many doubts, long-suffering, trials, obstacles, patience, and encouragement from God until we arrive at His promise. It's not like when once we get there God says, "Okay, now I got to provide." No, God through his promise has already provided. It's up to us now to arrive to that promise. If we persevere, we will surely arrive at his certain promise, the hope which has already been set before us. And what's that hope? What's that hope? Salvation in Jesus Christ. That's that's the hope that that the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey, to, to get across to us right now, is that the hope and salvation in Jesus Christ is there for us. It's been promised. We need to arrive at it to obtain it. You see, the promise was made to Abraham but it was intended for us. We are the objective, the, uh, we are the object of, of, of his promise, which is explained in, by Paul in Galatians 3, which says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. And if you are Christ's then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is in Galatians 3. So we have a promise from God to Abraham, guaranteed through an oath, secured in God himself, where we are the objects of the promise, received through Jesus Christ, salvation by faith in Jesus, the Son of God. A hope set before us. A hope that is already there, promised by God, set before us. It is up to us to persevere through the trials, the tribulations, until we obtain the promise. Which brings me to point number three, a hope secured in Jesus, the high priest. Jesus is the subject of these last two verses. If you could put up the, the image, this is a, a, a scribbling of um, an outline I did the, for this text. And you'll notice that there are, there are four arrows that point to Jesus. These are the last two verses. The first, there's four of them. There's, number one is Jesus is the, the sure and steadfast anchor. That points to Jesus. This is, this is a special anchor. Most anchors go down into the sea to hold steady a ship, to hold it secure. But this anchor goes up into heaven with Jesus. The second one, the second reference is Jesus is the hope that enters into the inner place. This sure and steadfast anchor is the hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Worldly hope is mere wishing. Wanting but not having. Uh, and Which leads to to despair but the hope in christ the anchor in christ goes up into heaven where it is anchored in the promise of god secured by an oath in himself that's strong that's firm that's 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 very strong this this anchor goes where we cannot go yet it is set in heaven Secured by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. That's what secured this particular promise that God made to us through his son, right? And then number three, Jesus is the forerunner that has gone on our behalf. Now, forerunner is a nautical term that, that I, I found explained in this, this, uh, this quote by Lewis Talbot in studies in the Epistle to the... Hebrews, if you could bring up the quote, It's, it's rather lengthy, but this is what it says about forerunner. The Greek harbors were often cut off from the sea by sandbars, over which the larger ships dared not pass till the full tide came in. Therefore, a lighter vessel, a forerunner, took the anchor and dropped it in the harbor. From that moment, the ship was safe the storm although it had to wait for the tide before it could enter the harbor the entrance of the small vessel into the harbor the forerunner carrying the ship's anchor was the pledge that the ship would safely enter the harbor when the tide was full and because christ our forerunner has entered heaven itself having torn asunder everything that separates the redeemed sinner from the very presence of god He himself is the pledge that we too shall one day enter the harbor of our souls and the very presence of God in the new Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty good explanation of what a forerunner is and who Jesus is going in before us and securing for us a safe harbor with God in the New Jerusalem. And then, number four, Jesus is the high priest, not as a, a temporary priest, but as the high priest forever. His finished work on the cross and the fact that God has appointed him as the high priest, as it says, in, we saw in Hebrews 5, 5 and 6, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The fact that God has appointed him as the high priest forever makes him a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Wow, what a guarantee we have. What a guarantee we have if we persevere to the end to then receive, obtain the promise made by God. Can anything break this anchor in heaven? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Unseen circumstances, the work of men, temptations of the devil, hostility of the world. What about your sin? Can any of this break the anchor? No. Nothing can break the sure and steadfast anchor. That's why we can rest in the hope that is set before us. Remember that hope, that promise is already set there, is already set before us. That's why we could rest in the hope of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews was saying, hey, you could rest in this hope. Here's an example. Abraham rested in the hope of that promise. That's why we must persevere. We must hold fast and endure to the end despite the troubles you may face, despite the hardships you have to endure because of of Christ, our hope is is not in the things of this world, but in Christ who has conquered death on our behalf, secured by the promise of God through Jesus Christ, the high priest forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son. For being our high priest forever. Who has been the forerunner and secured the anchor in heaven. So we can rest assured that, that that has been set for us. We have a hope, a, such a hope in salvation through Jesus Christ because of the work that he did on the cross. Lord, I pray you help us to persevere. Help us to endure to the end that we may obtain this promise. Salvation. It's already been been set for us. It's already there. Help us to arrive to it, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray.